Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back here to the fourth and very long podcast. I hope that everybody had a fantastic Halloween weekend. It was absolutely a spooky, scary weekend in the NFL. Uh, We're here preparing for another week of upcoming NFL action, week nine. And man, we are still reeling from the madness that happened in week eight. Upset after upset. Vaughn Miller's on the move, headed to L.A., and the return of, get this, Adrian Peterson, headed to Tennessee to replace the injured Derrick Henry. We had it all this past week. I'm here with the whole crew, Nez, Bryce, and Connor. I am Sam Graham, and this is the fourth and very long podcast. A spooky weekend for sure in the NFL. Games all over the place, surprises, upsets. It was a crazy weekend of action. We got it going on Thursday night football with the Packers and the Cardinals. Packers winning that one 24-21, ending the Cardinals' undefeated season without three of their starting receivers. The Titans took down the Colts 34-31 in overtime. A game-winning field goal there gives the Titans the win. Derrick Henry goes out in the game. We'll get more on that later. Um, Jets over the Bengals and possibly the most surprising upset of the weekend. Jets win that one 34-31 behind the arm of Mike White making his first career NFL start. It was the Patriots over the Chargers and another upset as Nick Folk goes 4-for-4. The Saints took down the Buccaneers 36-27 behind Trevor Simeon, who stepped in for an injured Jameis Winston. He is out for the rest of the season. It was the Cowboys over the Vikings on Sunday Night Football. Cowboys win that one. Also with their backup quarterback, Cooper Rush, gets them the win 20-16. But we are going to start out with that Titans-Colts game. Nez talked a big game on this Titans-Colts, the Jonathan Taylor versus Derrick Henry matchup. What do you have for your takeaways from that one? I just want to say, to start off, everyone can agree that was a very, very, very good game. Uh, went to overtime, obviously the winning field goal. Last week I was, I was kind of hyping up Jonathan Taylor, and he played decent, not 122 total yards, a lot better than Derrick Henry. 28 for 68 against the Colts, his worst game of the year, comparing to Jonathan Taylor's 122 total yards. Moving on off of that, A.J. Brown had a game. He just popped off. He won that game for them. As well did Michael Pittman. They both played well. It was, it was the, honestly the most even matchup we had all year, I think. Honestly, I, have no, I have no regret saying the Colts could beat the Titans because I feel like if they played again without Derrick Henry, that game is over. I mean, that does, that does change things quite a bit, doesn't it? I mean, no Derrick Henry, 30% usage rate. I would say the Colts would probably win as well. But, I mean, it's definitely not the same two teams without Derrick Henry. I mean, I want to throw back to your take last week saying mm. Carson Wentz was playing like a top 10 quarterback and he throws a pick six in the final minutes and another pick in overtime. I think Carson Wentz lost that game for the Colts. I, I don't know if he, would, he lost the game because statistically he played basically the same game as Ryan Tannehill. And to say that they, he lost the game is kind of crazy because they, he also made a, a long throw that ended up getting a flag and put him on the one-yard line. And that made him to go to overtime. So did he lose the game? Did he win the game? We don't really know. I guess we'll have to see if they match up again. 
So Derrick Henry, he is out for the next six to ten weeks at least, obviously a big portion of the year, and goes into the playoffs if it you know, is closer to that ten-week span. He would not play another regular season game. What does that mean for this Titans team? I mean, we were talking about him as an MVP candidate last week. Two back-to-back games under 100 yards. The Titans win them both. But what's the opinion here of the Titans moving forward without Derrick Henry? I mean, they did pick Adrian Peterson up, but I don't know if he can match what Derrick Henry has done. Obviously, Derrick Henry was having an incredible year. And with him falling off, I don't know. I, I really have no faith in them. I can see them maybe winning two to three more games. Even I could see him losing out, honestly. But A.J. Brown, he has been stepping it up, so maybe he can put the team on the back and get him to be maybe a playoff bird. I think the AFC is a wild, hot mess right now. Titans have showed that while they do need a running game, they can still air the ball out, pass the ball, then get that going with A.J. Brown now. And while they're not going to be as good of as a team, not a guaranteed playoff team anymore, but they still have a decent shot. Well, the Titans, with that win, they lead the division by three games and own the 2 to nothing tiebreaker over the Colts, having already beaten them in both of their contests this year. So... They're absolutely in the driver's seat because obviously the, the Texans and the, uh, and the Jaguars aren't going anywhere at the bottom of that division. So they have a cushion. You know, I mean, I think if you look at it, if he, he's able to come back in that six-week window and they can pull off something like a three-and-three three record in his absence, then, well, you know, there's a few weeks left in the regular season. Maybe they can throw something together. I mean, they're six-and-two now, best record in the AFC. So they couldn't really be in a better position to have him go out than they are right now. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I feel like if he comes back in six weeks, they have a very good chance of making the playoffs soon if he's fully healthy. But 10 weeks, they might be kind of screwed. But the Colts need to step up their game too because they only have three wins and they need, they need to pick it up if they want to make a wild card berth at least. We were talking about the underrated Colts defense last week. They gave up 34 points to the Titans. Obviously a, a solid offense, but, you know, Derrick Henry, your main offensive threat, averaging just 2.4 yards per play and, you know, played about half that game on a messed up foot. So not a perfect showing from that Indianapolis defense. Mm -hmm. So definitely some issues to shore up there. It was absolutely a battle, as were a lot of the games from this past weekend. Jumping to Monday Night Football, we're talking Giants, Chiefs. Connor, my friend, you had some strong feelings going into this one. I took a radical take and said the Giants were going to win that I said that because the Chiefs have just not been able to play NFL-level football this year. They are plagued with turnovers. Their defense just gets flags everywhere, and that showed more than ever on Monday night. It came down to a minute and a half left on the clock and a field goal, and the Giants gave up on the last drive. I don't know what happened. But the Chiefs were not playing Chief-level football. 12 penalties against the Chiefs, turnovers left and right, like still, they just couldn't get the ball moving against a Giants defense, and they couldn't completely shut down a Giants offense that has five hurt wide receivers. While the Giants did not win, I don't think this is a big step forward for the Chiefs. I think this solidifies my take that they will not make the playoffs this year. They, they played bad. I mean, I'm, I'm here to agree with you here. They did play pretty bad. They did not play to the Chiefs standards. Obviously, the O-line there is not helping them out a bit. Uh, they spent a lot of money, a lot of draft picks on them, and it's just not clicking. I don't know what it is. 
they have some great players on that O-line, but they're just not playing to the best of their ability. But if they use their talent correctly in the next coming weeks, they could turn some things around. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting harder and harder to trust the Chiefs here. An interesting move from Kansas City uh, in regards to that offensive line. They traded right guard uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif to the New York Jets in exchange for uh, yet another tight end, uh, Dan Brown, coming from New York. It's an interesting move after a game in which, I mean, you could see Patrick Mahomes constantly getting flushed out of the pocket, constantly, I don't even want to say rushing his throws. It was more that he just seemed really indecisive and just really not giving enough time for his receivers to get open downfield. Any comments on why you possibly make this trade? I think maybe just for a new look entirely. I mean, the offensive line has been struggling all season, and maybe they're just looking for answers because there hasn't been a lot of answers for that offensive line this year. I mean, you've seen Patrick Mahomes be pressured on almost every play, and he's making those crazy throws that we're used to seeing him make, but he's also missing some of those crazy throws that leads to interceptions. So I think this trade just helps them look for different answers in the offensive line position. So, Connor, now they sit at 4-4. Four and four. You know, obviously a, a loss to the Giants would have completely derailed this season. I think we can all agree on that. They didn't lose. It wasn't pretty, but they pulled it out, 20-17. What does this mean going forward? I mean, you know, they got a big game with the Packers coming up this week. We'll get into that a little bit more later in the show. But what does this mean, you know, down the stretch? Now that they do get back to 500, do they, do they have a better chance of making the playoffs? I just don't think so. I mean, I think they lose their next three games. They played the Packers this week, the Raiders the following week, and then a very strong Cowboys the next week. That's a hard three-week schedule. The Chiefs have it rough. They have a very difficult schedule for a Chiefs team that isn't playing like the Chiefs. It's hard to disagree with you there. Would you say these are must-win games? Absolutely. These next three? You think it's got to be 3-0, and all or nothing here? I don't know about 3-0, and but they need to – beat the Packers or the Cowboys. A lot of talk here about the struggling Chiefs defense, but <laughs> elsewhere around the league, the rich get richer. Big news around the league came out Monday regarding Vaughn Miller. The league's career active sack leader was traded to the LA Rams for a couple of second day draft picks in 2022. Sent some shockwaves throughout the NFL. Everybody talking about an already stout Rams defense, which leads the NFL in sacks. Bryce, what does this move mean for possibly the scariest pass rush in the NFL. Honestly, a crazy trade. One that I did not expect to see. Von Miller and the Broncos is comparable to Aaron Donald and the Rams, Bobby Wagner and the Seahawks, etc. Von Miller is a name that you just associate with the Broncos franchise. And to see him go is surprising. But you see these trades sometimes, you never really know what's going on in the front office. So nonetheless, he is now on that lightning-like Rams defense. He did miss the previous Broncos game due to a left ankle injury, but he did say that he was hoping to play in the Rams versus Titans game on Sunday per ESPN. And Sam Bass, what does this mean for the Rams defense? Well, I'll tell you what it means. It helps solidify them as contenders to win it all. It adds veteran experience to a defense that is relatively young compared to the rest of the league. I think it was the third youngest defense in the entire league. They are fifth best in passer rating allowed. Von Miller will help make that even better considering his status as a pass rusher and a pass defender. They have forced a lot of turnovers, but there's room for improvement on all sides of the ball, seeing as they have allowed a lot of rush yards and pass yards. And Von Miller just helped that even more. And it also, like you said, adds the current leader in sacks from when he was drafted with the current leaders of sacks when he was drafted, Aaron Donald. 
And then also, it just adds another piece to a team that's thriving currently, or another name that teams have to worry about, which is crazy when you consider they have to prepare for Aaron Donald already. And look, the Rams have been great in the red zone where they are ranked second there. Von Miller provides answers to how they can get better in all facets with the pass protection and the run game. Let's look at what's happening already this season. You know, Aaron Donald, his numbers suffering, you know, a little bit, not, not quite up with where he's been, but you see the memes and the videos on Instagram every week of him getting double, triple teamed all throughout the game. Opens the door for a younger guy, Leonard Floyd, who is top 10 in the NFL in sacks. So now you throw Von Miller into the mix. How do you stop all that? Is there any way that you can stop all that? I don't know. I don't think there is a really a way to stop it unless putting more people on the line. And honestly, if, if you do that, then you're going to have 1v1s against Jalen Ramsey, and you're not, you're not being that guy. So honestly, the Rams defense, as a Ram, Rams fan, I'm pumped to see that. I think it's, what, maybe one more week, two more weeks for Von Miller? He just passed the concussion protocol, I believe. So I think he might be coming back, maybe not this week, but next week. So we'll have to see how he plays in the upcoming games. Yeah, he has a chance to return this week. Uh, should definitely be back within the next two weeks. Four and a half sacks already for Von Miller on the year. Again, numbers down just a little bit for him, but he's been dealing with you know injuries off and on. Obviously missed all of last year due to the ankle injury. So, I mean, given his age, it's, it's still a pretty, pretty impressive stat. And like Bryce said, if nothing else, it's just another big name that you've got to be worried about if you're facing that Rams defense. Yeah, for sure. But... I also want to have a little bit of a different take on this. I think that's, this is a great trade for maybe one to three years, but giving a second and third round pick, which could be a possible another like offensive pass, a pass rusher like Von Miller, we don't know. So I think maybe he's getting old. How much time does he have left in the league? So will this be beneficial long-term or is this just maybe to win the Super Bowl this year? I mean, I think it shows us, if we didn't already know, that the Rams are, are ready and willing to win right now. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you bring in Matt Stafford, uh, which was you know, proving to be a great move, using the success here of Cooper Cup to say, you know what, let's go out and get a superstar right before the, right before the trade deadline. Let's use up the last couple good years of his life, and let's make, a, let's make a run at this thing. Yeah, honestly. I think they might be top, I don't know, I think maybe the best team in the NFL right now with the Von Miller trade. Them and the Bills are definitely overall the best two teams in the NFL. There, there's no weaknesses on either side of the ball for either teams. And Matthew Stafford is balling. Josh Allen is balling. Both these teams are primed for success. And with Matt Stafford, only four interceptions on the year, you're not, you're not going to get a whole lot of chances to you know, go up and try to score against this defense. The Rams are going to be on the field as much as they want to be. And when they're on the field, they're going to score most of the time. So there becomes a lot of pressure to try and score on, on one of the best defenses in the NFL. Certainly more star power on its way to the NFC. We had some of that star power in the NFC take the field on Thursday night football a week ago. Packers-Cardinals doing battle. Packers coming out on top of that one. I know there's some strong feelings regarding the outcome of this one, so we're going to throw it to Bryce first, the lone man on the team to pick Green Bay to win this one. So many storylines coming out of this one. What are your big takeaways? It went exactly how I thought it would. I'm just kidding. It really did not. Aaron Rodgers did have an absolutely decent game. <laughs> the defense and the run game stepped up big for them, and they definitely were the difference makers. I mean, look, the Cardinals' offense was on the field for only 22 minutes compared to, like, 37 for the Packers. That was just huge. I mean, the defense forced three turnovers, which are actually critical for the Packers' team. I mean, 
the game-winning interception and then the punt fumble or the punt fumble return. The Packers definitely stepped up big, and the Cardinals definitely a lot to be desired from that game for them. Cardinals kind of gave them that win. They they played pretty pretty bad. They uh, missed two uh, punts that were just right to the guy. Put him on like the two yard line twice, which is you just can't do that if you're playing the Packers. They're gonna they're gonna score. It, yeah, I mean Cardinals defense didn't even play that bad. It was the just Cardinals their, defense showed up. They showed up. Two goal line stands. Yeah, one one giving the offense a chance to go 99 yards and win the game there in there in the uh, last minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just about did. Yeah. They almost did, but then AJ Green got to look at the ball. He's got to turn around. Got to turn around, man. Now I'm I'm just so sad because. <laughs> AJ Green, you turn around, you win the game, buddy. That's all I'm gonna say. I mean, it's simple as, but they did not win. The Packers won. I don't think Aaron Rodgers really played that well, honestly. He had okay numbers, but the good thing is he did not turn over the ball very much. I think he didn't turn over the ball at all. Zero actually. turnovers for the Packers. So, yeah, I mean, he did what he needed to do. He uh, let their defense play and let the offense make mistakes on the Cardinals side. So, so I want to hear everybody's take on Kyler Murray's performance in this game. You know, he was an MVP candidate leading the only undefeated team in the NFL coming into it. Personally, I don't think that this loss is so much on him, but I think you could argue that he didn't do enough to get the win. One, the first pick he threw was off the hands of Rondell Moore, who coincidentally also dropped one of those costly punts that set the Packers up. And then obviously the A.J. Green turnover. Again, that's another pick for Kyler Murray, but... Anybody who watched that game knows that that is not truly a pick for Kyler Murray. So what, what are the thoughts here on you know, how this impacts Kyler Murray's chances at being an, an MVP winning candidate? You know, this game, you can't be perfect all the time, you know. I think this was a subpar game for Kyler. He looked rough the first half. The second half, he started having to dance around, get out of the pocket, rushing a little bit. I think that actually set him up a little better for passing, just having that threat of the run that Kyler is known for. So I think going forward, he can turn around, he'll be okay. He'll still be in the running for MVP. I mean, he almost won them the game with a 99-yard drive at the end of the game. He almost did, which is really unfortunate because people are going to put the blame uh, somewhat on Kyler Murray just because they didn't win this game. It is honestly one of the biggest games of his entire career leading up to this point. And it's really sad to see that they couldn't pull out this win just because he's been playing so well. But it's, it does beg the question, how is he going to respond from this? And I'm very interested to see and how he does that. Kyler's a very good quarterback, but I do not believe he is an MVP quarterback in my eyes. He's very good. He gets the job done, but I don't think he has the MVP factor in him. Like, he has a lot of weapons, and he's using them, but I, I think Matt Stafford's just as good. And... I think Tom Brady's just as good. I think Aaron Rodgers is just as good when he has everybody. I, th- I see Kyler Murray as a five and three quarterback or six and two. You know he's good, but I mean he has so many things working for him here that I don't I don't know if it's all him. You know what I mean? So finally, you know, obviously the Packers now on a seven game win streak. They sit atop the NFC uh, North standings. They sit atop the NFC playoff race. Who comes out better from this long term? You know, do the Cardinals learn from this? Or, you know, do the Packers feel more confident that they can beat a really good football team without, you know, three of their best receivers? What are the long term implications here as far as the NFC playoff race goes? It definitely sets up the Packers in a very tough NFC. I mean, they won without their three best receivers. 
it sets them up to be the best team out of the two. I mean, Cardinals have definitely asked a lot of questions on how they can respond in big games, and we just have to wait and see until their next big game. And the Packers definitely are set up for more success in the NFC. Well, Packers certainly the hottest team in the NFL right now. They lead the NFC North by three and a half games over the Vikings. We are going to step away for a quick moment, but we've got so much more to come. Bryce is going to give us his best from the weekend. Nez has a hot take for us. we got a lot more to get around to, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the fourth and very long podcast. We are talking a absolutely crazy week in football. Perhaps no bigger storyline than the play of the backup quarterbacks. Bryce, tell us a little bit about them. The backup QBs were definitely the players of the week. All three of them were put in tough situations where they made the difference and won their teams the game. You can't talk about the backup QBs without first talking about Mike White and the Jets. The Jets beat a red-hot Bengals team in a massive upset. No one saw him stepping up like this. He went 37 for 45, 405 yards, three TDs, and two interceptions. Insane stats for a largely unknown backup to put up in his first game. The Jets could have single-handedly turned their season around with one game. Obviously, it is only one game, so we have to wait and see if Mike White is the answer in New York. I am very excited to see how he does going forward. Next up, we have Trevor Simeon and the Saints. He went 16 for 29, 159 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. He probably had the weakest game out of the three backup QBs, but he did help beat a tough Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. With Jameis Winston out for the year, Trevor Simeon could be a good replacement for him considering how he led the team to this win. They obviously do have Taysom Hill, very notorious, but he has been out with a concussion since week five. But this game shows that they can be confident going forward even without Winston or Taysom Hill. This division is wide open and with the Saints defense playing the way it has, do not be surprised if the Saints make a wild card spot. Finally, from the backup QBs, we have Cooper Rush and the Cowboys. He went 24 for 40, 325 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. We could have seen a diminished role from Cooper Rush, seen as the Cowboys do have Ezekiel Elliott. However, Cooper Rush attempted 40 passes and ended up with a very solid win over the Vikings. He won the game with a game-winning throw to Amari Cooper in the final minute. Rush performance can probably attribute to the reps he's gotten with the first team since Dak Prescott has been dealing with the cash strain and he was also injured for most of the preseason. And if the Cowboys can win the game with, against the Vikings with Rush, then they should definitely be excited with the potential their team has going forward with Dak Prescott. Sam, what did you think about Cooper Rush's game? It was definitely super impressive, mainly that last drive, you know, getting the touchdown to Amari Cooper to win that game over, I mean, a pretty tough Vikings team. You know, we know that Kirk Cousins doesn't always perform uh, in big time games, in primetime games, and he came up short again. But, you know, I think like you said, seeing that the Cowboys can win even without Dak Prescott just speaks volumes to the growth that they have made this season. And I think it shows that you know, they, they really are legit contenders. You know, I mean, this team isn't just built around Dak Prescott. I mean, absolutely. And look, the best thing about these guys is that, honestly, if you told me that these three guys are going to play these games last week, I would have picked every team against them. And for the most part, I definitely did. I thought the Bengals and Vikings would scratch out wins. And if you told me Jameis would be out before that game, I would put an absolute guarantee, put your house on the Bucks. But guess what? They lost. However, none of these teams did win. And I would say is a testament to the fact that anything can happen in the NFL, which is what makes it so great. Now, as a question for the group here, which team that lost one of these backup quarterbacks should be the most worried moving forward? The Vikings. 
the Vikings are already struggling a little bit. They lost to a good Cowboys team, but overall, they probably should have won that game. I would even pick them to win with Dak in. The Bucks have nothing to worry about. They have Tom Brady. He's going to bounce back. The Bengals are young, but they have a good defense. They played pretty bad against the Jets, but they're young. They're going to bounce back. The Vikings have the worst chance right now to make the playoffs at all three of the teams they lost. Yeah, one loss definitely doesn't define the Bengals, especially since they're so young. And one loss also doesn't define Tom Brady because he's lost how many games in his career. I definitely think the Vikings are the team that should definitely be the most worried with their chances to make the playoffs right now. I have to say the Bengals. Mm. I was high on the Bengals last week. I was singing their praises after that game with the Ravens. Sam Graham said, no, wait, they're a young team. And boy, was he right. <laughs> They were up 11 against the Jets. They're as high as they could be after a win against the Ravens. And somehow the Jets turned it around to win a very impressive game. After a high win against the Ravens and then a crushing defeat like that, the mood in the locker room after that game had to be low. The Bengals are young. There's a chance that this could be their downfall, but I don't see it. And their offense is incredible. I think they're going to bounce back. And we'll see them in the playoffs this season. Yeah, I mean, I think the Bengals, it's going to be up and down this year. It, you know, it, like we said, they're young. They're clearly really talented. They're really explosive. They're fun to watch. The defense obviously is making, you know, big improvements, good strides, but they're young. They're inexperienced, and, you know, they might not have known exactly how to handle a big win like they just got over the Ravens. They'll get a chance this week to prove themselves again. They're going up against the Browns, but, you know, I, I think this is probably what we can expect from the Bengals. You know, expect the unexpected. That AFC North is wild. It's wide open. Wild it's wide West. open. And it, I, I mean, with the Browns coming in as the clear favorite, I mean, they're in last. Yeah. Lost to the Steelers, who everyone thought was the worst in the AFC North. We got the Bengals versus the Browns. I have, I'm rooting for the Bengals. I think they're going to come back and show up. Their offense is incredible. And don't sleep on their defense. They might have played poorly against the Jets, but they've been playing well all year. I got the Bengals on this one. I have to disagree. It was Baker's first game back against the Steelers. Nick Chubb's first game back. I think the Browns, they're gonna, it's just a warm-up game. It's like week one all over again. They're <laughs> going to come back good as we thought they'd be. The Browns beat the Bengals in week nine. Now you say it's a warm-up game. Baker Mayfield's first game back. I have a question for you. What is going on with OBJ? There are reports coming out of the Cleveland organization that claim that OBJ is essentially not on the team right now. <laughs> what does that even mean? Baker Mayfield has now had three games this season without a passing touchdown and targeted the best player on his whole roster one time for six yards. Mm -hmm. The Bengals, Z, I mean, they'll bounce back from last week's letdown game, but what's, what's the real upside here for the Browns? Obviously, there's some personal issues going on. They will not pass the ball or even put OBJ in. They refuse. I don't know what's going on. I want, I want to know the details. Obviously, we're not in that locker room. So we don't know what's going on. I don't think he's happy there. I think he wants to be put on a team maybe with less talent. With the Giants, there wasn't a ton of talent there, and he was clearly the best player. But uh, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. I think if anybody wants to know about what's going on with OBJ, I think it's me. I mean, who has him on his, on his fantasy team? I do. And he has been struggling all season, and I'm tired of it. He needs to either get released because the trade deadline is way past now. He either needs to get released 
or Baker needs to start throwing the ball because I am tired of zero points for OBJ every week in fantasy football. Can we put it all on the Browns? OBJ's routes haven't looked as crisp and clean as they have in the past. I don't think we can put it all on the Browns not throwing to a star wide receiver when he hasn't played like a star wide receiver. I mean, when you have LeBron James calling out your organization, telling you to throw the ball to Odell Beckham Jr., I mean, it's a head-scratcher because look at how much money they're paying him. They brought him in to be the face of that receiving room, to be Baker Mayfield's guy. So, you know, maybe there is beef from, from the side of OBJ. I, mean, I, I, I really don't know an explanation for it. It doesn't seem like the Browns have come up with one either. Yeah, maybe, maybe OBJ just doesn't want to play for them. I don't know, man. He is he's not running the best routes, but he's going to be open sometimes. Even if you don't run best, the best routes, you're going to be open. And I, I think they just refuse to pass to him. Sure, the ball hasn't come his way. He hasn't gotten the looks yet. But I don't think this is the right way to go about getting the ball more. Definitely better ways to get the ball, but first he needs to fix his attitude, and maybe we'll see improvements. But as of now, he's just he just doesn't exist. Yeah, he doesn't exist in that program. And Jarvis Landry, absolutely not doing a whole lot to pick up the slack. Uh, staying around the world of wide receivers, Nez, we don't know at all, but we've been told to prepare our research on Cooper Cup. Let's hear the hot take for this week. All right, guys, I know you. I know these three have been uh, really interested in knowing what this hot take is about Cooper Cup. So Cooper Cup, I never said it was a bad take. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't flame him in, in any way. It's probably the opposite. I say Cooper Cup has the best chance out of anyone in the league to get MVP right now. One, I want to throw this little fun fact out there. There has been QBs, running backs, defensive players, and even a kicker winning MVP. I did not know that. I did my research on that. In 1982, Mark Mosley won MVP for the Redskins. He only missed one field goal. But let's get back to the topic. Kelvin Johnson, he had a 1,964 receiving yards. That's the record. And at this pace, with an extra game played, I see Cooper Cup possibly having a 2,000-yard season. And that's never been done. He already has 10 touchdowns. That would, if he gets to 20 touchdowns and over 2,000 yards, that is insane. It's never been done. Only over 20 touchdowns has happened twice. Then Jerry Rice and Randy Moss, incredible players, obviously. But they've only got, they only caught for a thousand receiving yards, those two, both when they had 22 and 23 touchdowns. So obviously they can't be put in the MVP candidate if they are not going for over a thousand yards. That's just not going to happen. But also the Rams are playing very good, so that's going to help. If they make the playoffs, obviously that's going to put them up top because he's a valuable player to make the playoffs. But there's also no quarterback that's really standing out. Like Kyler Murray, he was like the MVP candidate, but with that loss against the Packers, I think he's going to go down. Tom Brady, obviously Tom Brady, so he's always in the running, but I don't think he can win anymore. But we'll see. Aaron Rodgers, eh, I don't know. I, I think it's time for a wide receiver to win MVP. Well, Cooper Cup still leading the NFL in yards, still leading the NFL in touchdowns. Tyreek Hill with a 12 reception game did pass him in receptions, but he's number two. The stats are there. I mean, he's, he's closing on 1,000 yards already. He sits at 924. That's over 100 more than Debo Samuel, who sits in second. So he's absolutely distanced himself from his competition, as he's done from, you know, from the very first game this year. He's, he's definitely the best wide receiver this year. Now, is he the best player this year? 
I don't know if he's the best player, but I feel more in agreement with this take than not agreeing because Cooper Cup isn't just putting up these numbers. He's putting up these numbers and being this productive in a stacked receiving core for the Rams. Mm -hmm. This ball could be spread around more. The stats could be spread around more. And he's still wide receiver one, clearly. He is just having an amazing season. I'm loving it because I have Cooper Cup, last pick in the fifth round, sleeper pick of the draft. It's great. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Cooper Cup as MVP this year. I like that take when you said Robert. Like, they have Robert Woods, they have Van Jefferson, they have so many options. Calvin Johnson, who do you have with them? Nobody. Nobody. They had to throw it to him. That's why he had over almost 2,000 yards. He had 122 receptions. He only had five touchdowns, though. So if Cooper Cup has 2,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, that's running back numbers. And the way the Rams are looking right now, they have a very strong shot to make the Super Bowl. Yeah, they, for sure. If they go to the Super Bowl, I see no reason Cooper Cup is not the MVP. I see Bryce giving me a little half and half. What are you thinking <laughs> over there, buddy? Look, I honestly am a little – I agree with it just a little bit. I think Cooper Cup is having an absolutely fantastic season. I wish I drafted him in fantasy football, yet I didn't. But look, the, N the NFL MVP award is still a quarterback award. I just don't see a, a way where a receiver wins it unless he puts up ungodly numbers, which, I mean, to be fair, he is putting up pretty great numbers. If he keeps it up, I definitely think there is a case. But I just don't see him taking it over a guy like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, even Matthew Stafford or Kyler Murray. I just think the QBs have a handhold on the, on the league MVP award. And I just don't think that's going away anytime soon. So who do you think would be the MVP right now? That's, who is playing better than Cooper Cup right now as a QB? I can't see one. It's, it's tough because, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is out this weekend. We'll get into that later. But I still think Aaron Rodgers or even Matthew Stafford is playing better than Cooper Cup right now. And I, I would just give it to him since he's a QB. I don't know. I feel like Matthew Stafford is playing it doesn't, good. It's not called the most valuable quarterback award. It's it, the most valuable player. That's why they gave it As to a Ness kicker. As clearly said, they have given it to a kicker. Skill players get the Heisman. It's not unheard of, and I think the people don't want a quarterback to get it. I definitely agree. I want Cooper Cup to win this award. I just, I just don't know if it's actually going to happen. I don't know if it will happen, but you, you can't, you can't just. Like, I can't, I can't stats. deny his case for MVP. I definitely can't. I want to see him win. I just don't know if it's actually going to happen or not. I just want to say that he has been playing very consistent too. There is, no, there is no trending downwards. There's no trending upwards. He's been playing very, very solid all year. He's not having spectacular games. I mean, he, obviously he does. Every game is spectacular. Exactly. It's not like he's having like a great game and that boosts his stats by a ton. No, it's every game. It's over 100-plus yards basically every game with a touchdown. I mean, it's, it's just incredible to watch him. Yeah, I mean, I was going to touch on the consistency as well. It's almost like seeing the exact same game all over again. You look at 115 yards against Houston, 156 against Detroit, 130 against the Giants. I mean, he's gone for over 100 yards five times in just eight games this season. He's the definition of consistency, and I think that's one of the biggest things that you know, voters look for when evaluating an MVP. You know, are you valuable to your team's success week in and week out? And what I'm going to throw out here is that the Rams have one loss on the season. Mm -hmm. They lost to the Cardinals in week four. 
This is Cooper Cup's worst game of the season by far. Five catches, 64 yards, no touchdowns. Can we, can we talk about that? Five catches, 64 yards. That is his worst game. 64 yards. That's some receivers' best games. I think mm-hmm. on fantasy he had like 11 points or something like that. That's pretty solid. 11.6. Yeah, 11.6. <laughs> so he hasn't played cupcake teams. He's played the Bucks. He's played the Seahawks. He's played the Cardinals. He's had some pretty good, tough matchups, and he's saying, I don't care about the matchups. I'm going to play my football game, and I'm going to pop off. And he's been popping off all season. I can't see it slowing down. I mean, I, I think if we were to be statistical gurus and throw together some sort of all-encompassing graph to track his success, you know, along the line of the Rams' success, they'd be pretty much in direct correlation. I mean, you can see his best games, they play the best. They score the most points. They have the largest margins of victory. You know, when he plays well, they win. When he doesn't play well, the one time, they lost. Mm-hmm. You know, he's clearly integral to their success. Yeah. And, I mean, that it's most valuable player. It sounds like he's pretty darn valuable. I don't, I don't, I just don't see a clear-cut quarterback that's going to beat him right now. I mean, there's always time. We're going to see what happens. We'll absolutely see what happens. Still a lot more to sort out. Obviously, with an injury to Derrick Henry, he now becomes the front-leading skill position player. Uh, we got a little bit more to come here on fourth and very long. We're going to take another quick break. But when we come back, we got power rankings. We've got locks and upsets. And we're picking the Packers and the Chiefs. A whole lot more fun to be had here. We will see you in a few minutes. Welcome back. Fourth and very long Switching over now, we're talking a little bit about the league's best, the top 10. A little bit of movement after week eight. We got a new team at the top, but surprisingly, we have the same 10 teams in a different order than we did last week. As always, we will start from the bottom. We're actually going to start from a little lower than the bottom. We are going to start with the teams that just missed the cut, the tier that is just below the best of the best. We're talking about those knocking on the door. That is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cleveland Browns, the New Orleans Saints, and the Las Vegas Raiders. Right there, one win this week. Maybe they get in. Jumping into the top 10 itself, at number 10, the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, that strength of schedule has been murderers row. Their uh, losses actually have a combined record of 20 and 9. They're 4 and 4, but it's hard to find a team that's played a tougher schedule than them. Moving into number nine, it's the Los Angeles Chargers coming off a tough loss against New England, 27 to 24. We'll have to see how it affects them moving forward. At number eight, the Baltimore Ravens. They sit at five and two, locked in a battle in the AFC North, wins over the Chiefs, wins over the Chargers and Indianapolis. At number seven, up two spots from last week, it's the Tennessee Titans. They sit at six and two and sit atop the AFC standings. They're coming off a really solid win on the road against Indianapolis. Obviously a game-winning field goal in overtime with Derrick Henry on a limp foot. Like it or not, they've shown in the last two weeks they can win without star production from Derrick Henry. Moving into number six, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Now at six and one, they've won six straight. Dak's return has been nothing short of amazing. I know he missed this past week, and Cooper Rush is able to step right into that offense and continue its dominance. Zeke has learned how to share. Trayvon Diggs, as we touched on last week, has been spectacular. The Cowboys are looking like NFC contenders. 
Moving into number five, slipping a little bit after a tough loss on the road against New Orleans, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At number four, we have the Arizona Cardinals, dropping from the top spot last week after a tough loss. I don't like to put too much emphasis on, you know, on one week, on one game, but losing to Green Bay without three of their starting wide receivers is kind of just inexcusable, especially at this point in the season. You know, Kyler Murray overall has been really spectacular, but they sit at number four currently. Moving into number three, it's the Packers, the team that just beat Arizona this past week. Obviously, a really tough loss against New Orleans in week one, 38-3, but Aaron Rodgers has been absolutely on fire since then. They're the hottest team in the league with seven straight wins, and they sit atop the NFC. They're winning games by an average of 8.6 points per game, and four of their last six games have come as road victories. Not easy to do on a consistent basis in this league. At number two, the AFC's best, it's the Buffalo Bills at five and two, coming off a win against Miami. They bump up two spots, best and most improved defense in the NFL, arguably the best defense overall in the NFL. They're a very complete football team. They're easily the most complete football team in the AFC, and that earns them the number two spot this week. And finally, at number one, Nez, this one is for you. It's the Los Angeles Rams. They're seven and one. They are right there in the mix in the NFC West, right in the mix for the top spot in the NFC overall. Last week, taking down the Texans is, ended up being 38-22. to 22. That's a little bit deceiving, but one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. And guess what? They just added Von Miller to that attack and really hard to find error for them. Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Daryl Henderson have been awesome on offense, and they have looked like a really complete football team. Man, I'm... I'm going to have to agree with you for most of the part, but there are some flaws I see. I believe the Chargers shouldn't be in the top 10, and this is why. They're 4-3, and three, and I believe they lost their last two games. With a rush defense like that, if you play a good running back, which most of the top 10 teams have nowadays, they're just going to run right through you. New England, they rush the ball a ton, but the Chargers are the better team, but they just, they just didn't play like it just because their rush defense is not to the level they should be. But other than that, I like it. We already know I don't think the Chiefs belong in the top 10. After a game like that to the Giants, after a season like they're having, they simply don't belong in the top 10. I want to add on, sorry, I have to cut you off, but uh, the Titans at seven, I know that's a little, that's a little interesting to me just because Derrick Henry's out, and, but I, I can see him trying downwards pretty quickly. I think. <laughs> they might end the season nine and eight. That's that's not a good record to have to make the playoffs, especially with the Colts. They're, I think they're going to be on the come up soon. I've been sleep. I've been I've been I've been hyping them up, but they haven't been doing much. But I, I see it coming. I see it coming. Well, I mean, we obviously can't completely predict the future. All I will say is Derrick Henry has had his two worst games of the entire season in the past two weeks. Yet the Titans have taken down the Kansas City Chiefs and then the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, and we've talked about this. He still has rushed the ball 20-plus times in both those games. That's a, lot, that's a lot more throwing Ryan Tano has to do, and his touchdown to interception rating is not very good. I mean, we're going to see how much does Adrian Peterson carry the ball. We'll see. I don't, I don't think as much as Derrick Henry is getting a little old. He is very old. I believe he's 36. <laughs> I think they give the ball to him 12 times at most. And yeah, I mean, there's obviously a couple teams like the Titans and the Chiefs who are looking a little shaky in the top 10. Sam, I got to ask. Which team knocking on the door do you like the most to make the top 10 next week, potentially? 
the Saints have a decent chance. That defense is playing really special football. They just took down Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay really not missing anybody too special. Gronk obviously went out uh, during the first quarter, but I mean, they look strong when, when they look strong, and they look weak when they look weak. Uh, Jameis is gone now. That will certainly throw a little confusion, if nothing else, into the quarterback, you know, in the quarterback room and that offense, which now also got news today that Michael Thomas will not be playing a game this season. So I think that they have a high ceiling, possibly also a low floor. I think the Cleveland Browns are the best team in this, in the knocking on the door category. Uh, they, they sit at four and four, but we can all agree they haven't played up to their standards. They haven't played their best football. It's a tough division. It's an uphill battle for them, but I do think they're better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think that the Browns have the best roster and therefore the best overall chance to make a run into the top 10 in this coming week. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I also think the Saints have the worst chance. I don't know when uh, Taysom Hill is going to be back. Simeon really didn't do much for them. Their defense really helped him out against this really strong Bucks team, so maybe there is hope, but I don't see much. Kamara's playing really well, but I don't know. You can't just give the ball to him and just expect to win. Moving on, certainly a lot to look forward uh, to this week, and with that, we turn to our game of the week. We are talking the Packers and the Chiefs, certainly a big game for both sides. Aaron Rodgers going to be out for this one with COVID. However, the Packers are expected to possibly return all three of the receivers with which missed action last week, which would be huge for Jordan Love, who it appears is going to get the start against the Chiefs. I want to start out this talk. Connor, who needs this win more? Obviously. I'm glad we came to me first about this. Obviously, the Chiefs need this one more. The Packers sitting pretty, seven-game winning streak after their freak first week to the Saints. The Packers proved last week that they don't need to rely on a stellar quarterback and a stellar wide receiver and a stellar receiving game. They can run the ball. Their defense can step up. They are overall a better football team than I thought, and the Chiefs, like, they needed a final two-minute field goal against the Giants to win. I don't see the Chiefs winning this game. I don't think they're going to be close, but, man, do they need to. Wow. That's probably more of a hot take than I put out. I mean, I think it's going to be a close game. I do think the Packers are going to win. I think it's going to be a close game because the Chiefs have talent. The Packers have talent. The Chiefs are come to show this is a big game for them. I don't think they're just going to let the Packers stomp over them. But I do have a little take here. Utah State quarterback Jordan Love has to start. And, you know, we've had talks about this. I think he might be the next Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers is getting old. Someone's going to have to take over that Green Bay Packers offense. And Jordan Love, he's a stud. I believe he's going to pop off. He has a lot of weapons to work with. Some of them are still coming back. But I think a lot of them are going to be back for this week. I think the Packers win by, I'm going to say seven. I mean, that is interesting. I mean, Jordan Love, I mean, I remember when he was drafted. Aaron Rodgers notoriously did not like that draft pick. Yet again, they did not draft another skilled player. But it's going to be interesting to see how he steps up against a very vet-heavy Chiefs team. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Packers end up winning this game, if they can possibly do that. I just, the Chiefs, last week the Packers won by having a heavy run game. The Cardinals had terrible turnovers the Chiefs have plenty of turnovers on their own the Green Bay Packers can expect that 
I think it's going to be a very similar game to the Cardinals last week, except that Green Bay comes in the final quarter one, if not two, touchdowns ahead of the Chiefs. The Chiefs' pass defense has been absolutely atrocious. Tyron Matthew can't do it all, and if we're being totally honest, he has not had the best season this year either. To, to be fair, he's been exposed a lot. But obviously the Chiefs really need this win to keep them in the playoff race. But sadly, I think given the performance of the Packers running backs a week ago, it's evident that Jordan Love might not even have to do that much. The starting three wide receivers make a return, and the Chiefs' front seven can't start generating more pressure than they currently are, sitting 30th in the NFL in total sacks. Then I, I really don't see any way that, that Patrick Mahomes and the uh, Kansas City Chiefs can come away victorious in Arrowhead. With the loss of Aaron Rodgers this week, I think it turns it from a lock to a very decent chance for the Packers to win. All Jordan Love needs to do is not turn over the ball, play smart, safe football, and I guarantee the Packers win this game. I agree, but how easy is it to play nice and safe football? I feel like the Chiefs might expose them if he, if he does throw picks. The Chiefs? The Kansas City Chiefs. They could. They played pretty decent defense against the Giants. That was probably the best defense of, game. One of, if not the worst secondaries in the league. Yeah. One of the worst, if not the worst, pass-rushing defenses in the league. Jordan Love's going to be sitting comfortable with as much time as he needs with a wide array of star-wide receivers. He's going to be all right. So do you think his touchdown-to-interception ratio will be higher or lower? Will you have more touchdowns or will you have more interceptions? What do you think? I don't think he needs to throw touchdowns. After we saw the running performance last week, they're willing to run the ball in the red zone. The Cardinals made big stops. They could have had – the Packers could have had two, three more running touchdowns than they did. I don't think the Chiefs are going to play to the Cardinals level. So, if anything, Jordan Love will throw more interceptions just because they don't need him to throw in the red zone. So, there's talk of whether or not this one is a lock. And with that – we're going to turn to our friend Connor McCoy to wrap up the show. He's going to give us his locks and upsets looking at the week ahead. Connor, you weren't quite on the money last week, but what do you have for us today? I mean, to start, easiest lock of the week, Bills beating the Jags in Jacksonville. It's your number two team against one of the worst teams in the NFL. This is an e should be an easy win for the Bills. Expect nothing less. I also have the Cowboys beating the Broncos. A Broncos team that has looked very subpar and a Cowboys team that is on a high. Expect them to win. Finally, my last lock of the week, with the loss of Derrick Henry, you can chalk up the Rams to beating the Titans. The Titans, with Derrick Henry, have performed not well against strong defenses. Rams have one of the best defenses in the league. Rams take home this dub. For my upsets, my first upset, I believe the Bears have a very good shot at beating the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Other than that, it looks like a cut and dry week, but for us Ravens fans, I don't think this is an easy win against the Vikings. I think Lamar Jackson has to show up. He has to play his best. Maybe not his best, but he has to play good football. That's not an easy game, and for some reason, the odds are stacked against the Jets in this Colts game, but expect that game to be closer than it is, but the Colts should pull out a win, but don't be surprised if the Jets can find another dub. Well, that is going to do it for us on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. Jets taking on the Colts tonight on Thursday Night Football. Be sure to check that one out, 820 Eastern on NFL Network, and we will see you next week for a brand new episode.